Welcome to the Wellbeing Rebellion, the podcast that's changing workplace cultures for good. We're your hosts, Ngazi Wella and Obehi Alafoje. Let's get this rebellion started. So we're coming out of the summer holidays and it's nearly September. So we'll be going right back into that whole school rush, drop-off, pick-up, meeting, conferences, Yay. madness. Yeah, okay. So Obi's <laughs> excited about it. I'm, I like September. Uh, I like September. It feels like a... Obi a doesn't do without you being, drop-offs without and you being, Okay, yeah, I don't... Okay, yeah. That's, yes. I don't do, do drop-off. Well, anyway, in your it is stuff. a fresh start. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that without it being January. Yeah, you can yeah. be excited for it, apprehensive for it, but anyway, it's coming. <laughs> but it's also the time when HR leaders are starting to think about events for their teams and uh, how they're going to raise awareness about mental health and things like that. And that's when we start to get the phone calls and the email requests um, uh, about how they can be supported by us for relevant awareness days like mental health awareness, stress awareness, Black History Month, November, time to talk, all the good stuff that comes up in the the third, fourth quarter and early next year. Many, many HR leaders will be looking to book talent development and personal development programs and workshops, and that is such a good thing. And it's brilliant that mental health has been one of the more popular topics of interest since the pandemic. And more and more organizations understand the value of making sure that your teams are safe and can work productively to produce amazing work and impact the world. We love it. We also know it's really easy to to book a one hour webinar or half day workshop to educate your teams and think that that's the end of it. Job done, tick. And we find that these kinds of short-term events and workshops, panels, they don't really work. Because employees and HR leaders alike tell us they're not working. They They aren't making a difference to those critical metrics that you guys should be stewarding, like absenteeism or presenteeism, productivity, um, number of um, workplace issues that you are having to resolve. We've seen the eye rolling of the <laughs> prospect of employees attending yet another mental health workshop or webinar online. These don't work because they come and tell us it doesn't work. People haven't necessarily changed behaviors and sometimes it can make things worse and you know that why why that is you've opened them up to thinking about all these things and nowhere for it to go so mm. it's like oh yeah so now what am i supposed to do with all these emotions i've just unearthed right now and then they might say oh they do it in person like an in-person event like that will make the difference really but it doesn't really mm. yeah so then you guys, the HR leaders, you're coming back and you're frustrated and you're under pressure and you've got to deliver something else that will work. But sometimes it's at the point that your credibility and confidence has been shot a little bit. 
So staff don't want to attend the next training or workshop session because it was crap the first time uh, and it's not going to get any better. It didn't change anything for them and they start to become cynical and sometimes resentful of the organization's attempt to care about them. Your staff may have a little bit of better knowledge about a certain topic like signs of mental distress, but not know how to implement any strategies to help them because it takes time for people to learn and then do and refine and then do again and then get on with it in their own way. We've mentioned this analogy in a past episode on the podcast. I know it's Opie's favorite. We never expect someone to lose weight and be healthy after a one hour weight loss webinar or workshop. You wouldn't. We all know that doesn't work. We instinctively know that it takes time. Why? How? Because we've probably all gone to a webinar or some half day workshop promising the world. And then a few days later, we can't even remember being in it. Yeah. If we were in person, I might remember the snacks. Because that happened one time, right? I went on training. It's on a side note. Training, I can't remember when. It was pre-pandemic. I'm sure it was something to do with psychology or some sort of um, therapy training. Something of that nature, I'm sure it was. Could, what else would it have been? I can't remember. Nice hotel, nice training room, but I remember the muffin. This was like the yummiest blueberry muffin with a sprinkling of sugar. Pret muffin is the closest I've come to it. Now, ask me what that training was about. I can't remember at all, but I do remember the muffin. Just mm. saying. So there are some things it's good for. Yeah, but <laughs> if you want to have the mental well-being support that you offer your employees be memorable for more than just the muffins, then tune in to this episode of The Wellbeing Rebellion. And we are going to explain why these one-off mental health workshops simply don't work. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Okay, so here's a caveat. We know why you do it. We know why HR book these short-term workshops and webinars. We're not judging, but we're judging. Um, there are definitely benefits to it, okay? So I cannot discount that at all. And I'm going to list what the benefits so that you can know that, okay, obey and guide, we understand where you're we coming from it. here. We get it. The time constraint, isn't it, and convenient. So HR department, even talent department in some cases, have limited time, resources, or budget. They've noted barely any budget. We literally spoke to one a few minutes ago, and they have a very small, tiny budget, and they can't find any more money, but it's not realistic that they will get anything beyond just a short one-hour webinar or of that effect, right? So that's what they've got to contend with. So one-hour webinars might be a very convenient way to fit into busy schedules and it can easily be uh, organized and, you know, someone can just go online and, oh, all done, right? And your people don't really have to physically be there to engage. They don't have to put the cameras on, so all of that stuff. So that makes sense to me. Then there's the cost-effectiveness of the thing. Again, not much budget, but it's a very cost-effective solution rather than a longer in-person workshop or individual coaching session. So they would typically require fewer logistical arrangements. Again, more budget-friendly. 
not every organization to have um, a second amount of money. So that's another reason. A third reason is just the broad accessibility of it. So one hour webinar can cover for everybody. So remote workers, regardless of your location, can join in. Um, every wide range of individuals can join in, leaders, frontline staff, everybody, open to everybody. So that makes it relevant for getting information out to people in general. Then there is the idea of general awareness. It doesn't need to be specific or have um, specialism to it. It can just be general awareness and education, provide a broad overview of a topic, especially around mental health topics. It can just be that. So it can be, oh, we'll talk about anxiety today. We'll talk about stress today. So it can be as simple as that. So while they may not offer an in-depth knowledge, they can serve as a starting point for everybody to be on the same level. So basic understanding is what I call a leveler. Everybody gets the basics of it. Then you can start building up for those people who want more specialism or expertise in a particular topic, for example. And then finally, an introduction to available resources. So webinars can be a way to say, hey, here's a webinar on mental health, but did you know we also have our EAP programs and, and our private health insurance and all these things that can help you go, oh, okay, that's a nice way of reminding me that we have all these resources instead of just sending it in an email, for example. Could you have a nice platform of informing your employees about available programs, helpline, counseling service, yada, yada, yada. And in that case, it makes it very attractive to do short-term solutions like these, really. Now, here's where I go into my rant. So <laughs> buckle up, boys and girls, right? Listen, one-off workshops, webinars, talks do have a place. They literally have a place in our SIT 360. They do, yeah. They are in category two, awareness. They are important. Mm -hmm. The issue I have is with people, and by people I mean senior leaders, yeah. heads of departments, those kinds of people, thinking that having offered and proffered these solutions to their staff, that they have, quote unquote, done mental health, that their staff, because you've got an EAP, you had a talk, what more do you need? That's it. It's over. Mm. No, no, no. It is only one piece of the puzzle that is mental health solutions. Um, it, it can't be all things to all people no. because mental health workshops have limitations. What are they? One, they've got a really short-term impact, right? Even if you do not have ADHD like me, it is very difficult to remember everything that is rushed through in a 45 to 60 minute workshop. They will only ever have short-term benefits, therefore, and are unlikely to lead to any sustained improvements in mental health outcomes. They can't. And then there, the general appeal, which is great for getting awareness raised across the board means that there's a lack of individualization, yeah. right? They have to be generic. And that means an individual with specific needs, specific challenges, who's had specific experiences is likely to be neglected. Also, 
they've got to keep it relatively high level. So they can't focus on complex issues. And mental health, if it is anything, it is complex. It's multifaceted. And workshops don't adequately address the complexities of the various mental health conditions because it would be too confusing to do so in a short time frame. Yeah. If you're doing something in even half a day, it doesn't allow sufficient time for participants to develop skills. You can't develop a coping mechanism against stress or build resilience in an afternoon. Yeah, we have an example of this, haven't we? Go on then. Yeah, so this is an um, example of one of the uh, NHS trusts, which was last year. So, example, our grief and resilience program, um, and because this team had suffered a number of bereavements within their teams and families in the previous year, like a lot of people have, and they, had, they hadn't had the time to process this, if you think about it. Um, they were getting on with the work as, as NHS staff have had to, to do. So this was for a three 90-minute session spread across three weeks. So we're not saying that you can't do something with a workshop, but it cannot be a one-off. So three 90 minutes across three weeks. So the delegates could have time in between them to process, to reflect, to test drive some of the strategies that Ngaiji and I have been sharing with them, to come back and report on them, and then me and Ngazi, or a facilitator who were doing that, to help them tailor it. Could it work better for that individual who said, I tried the technique that you taught, but it didn't quite work on this thing. And I was, oh, well, how did you try and do that? And they go, oh, what time do you wake up in the, mo- in the make morning? Oh, well, when did it in the evening then? So you can see what I mean. It makes it now individualized. Same strategy, but a whole 12 people in the room might interpret differently and it will work differently for them. So it was a great way of doing that. Now, for those who were struggling significantly, they felt able to acknowledge that to themselves in that three sessions, and then were now motivated to seek additional support with their EAP, and in some cases, opting to find their own longer-term personal therapist, counsellor, etc. Okay, that's an example of how you can make it work, really. You don't mm-hmm. have this one-off. There's not enough time to process and to implement. So... If you must do a workshop, do a series of them that allows one to build on the next one and the next one. That's what I would say there. Mm. Well, it's a good example of that one when, I, when you talk about it. There's also the issue of you risk opening up a can of very painful, very slippery worms when you start offering these mental health workshops, right? You do that... And then you haven't necessarily put in place follow-up support. They may, may not offer any ongoing support or resources which are critical for maintaining and building upon the skills, knowledge and providing critical support. I'll, I'll give an example. There is never, and I'm not exaggerating, even though I'm prone to it, I am not this time. There is never a time that we have delivered our signature angel of well-being, personal self-care workshop, which focuses on the signs of burnout, mental distress in yourself and others, as well as how you look after yourself. There has never been a time where I've delivered that 
where I haven't had somebody reach out afterwards with an issue that they have had opened up by it. Yeah. Never. There's always somebody who needs support afterwards. And even if you've got an EAP um, available to your employees, you know as well as I do that very, very few, less than 8% will have used it or feel comfortable using it. So what do you do if you've opened people up by offering this well-meaning mental health awareness talk or workshop, but you've left them exposed? Yeah. There's also tends to be a lot of information thrown at individuals, and I'm guilty of this as well, in 60 minutes. You want to cram as much as you yeah. can into your 60, 90 minute session so you want to give so much, but it just leads to overwhelm, mm. information overload, um, and not actually driving behavior change. Um, and it's it's not significant in, in addressing the workplace factors because it's a generic thing. It yeah. can't be looking at what is causing the issue in your office. Finally, finally, it's limited in terms of reducing the um, stigma around mental health. There's a lot of cynicism when we see it. Like I said, there's a lot of eye rolling. Oh, yeah, mm. another one. Um, there's limited cultural sensitivity because you don't know who your audience is. You don't know anything about them. Um, and you don't, therefore, know what their experience is or their awareness or attitude towards mental health. And some of the methodologies used um, are questionable. Everything we do is evidence-based. That's why I didn't go into this without Obehi, who is a qualified psychologist and stress management coach. I didn't just go, ooh, I think I like mental health because um, I know how important mental health is. I know that you need to have expertise. Um, and everything that you do should be scientific, evidence-based, but they're not really, particularly when you're not paying very much for them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my gripe over with. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, while we're doing this podcast, because that way, as you're planning for your you know, all the awareness days and things for your staff and mental health and stuff, that considering, well, how might I do it differently then? You know, with whatever budget I've got, how might I do differently? So where do we go from here? So if you're still considering short-term workshop, okay, in other words, OB, I encourage you, we haven't got the budget for that. Uh, we can only get away with one thing or one sort of thing. Okay, consider enhancing it, okay? So consider... Combine a generalized one with a specific one. So one of the ones we did, um, we're going to do next in November or so. So we have two workshops. One is generalized. So it's a talk. Everybody comes to that one. Okay. We're going to do one with imposter syndrome in that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Imposter syndrome. Everybody's coming for that. Then you have a second one, probably a week later, two weeks later, for people to sign in to go deep on it. Now, those people who have identified, raised their hand and said, this is me, this is affecting the way I work right now, and I need to know more and more 
strategies to help me personally address some of those, right? Those people will not be the whole population of work. It will be a handful of people saying, oh my God, this is a problem for me. I hadn't realized it and I didn't feel comfortable sharing it. So you've offered me an opportunity to help solve it or fix it for myself so that I can be more productive and be part of a high-performing team, right? So that's what you can do. Run two, one generic, and then you go specific. And so for those of you who want to know more about this, and not just know more for knowledge, but to implement those, think of the second workshop. It'll be shorter, it'll be a smaller group of people, but you're going to be prepared to go deep and talk more about what will actually help you. Because that's a great way to combine them if you are short on, on, on budget and time even. Then you have to consider an advanced training for your line managers. So again, you might decide actually, is it everybody who needs to know this thing? Or is it the line managers who need to know more? Because they can look out for it, right? And support their teams. Okay, because they're the ones who are directly responsible for the well-being of their teams anyway. So it makes sense that they might be the ones who need that training. So I hope that makes sense. Well, you can improve opportunities for a personalized, relevant, individualized approach. You can make sure that you're not trying to cure all things for everybody. (laughs) Don't try and be a one-size-fits-all person, right? Why not run interactive small group workshops on specific challenges and employees can then elect to address that specific challenge if it's relevant. So instead of doing a general one on mental health or anxiety or stress or whatever, do something specific. This one is going to be managing workloads. This one's going to be managing stress um, at home and at work. This one's going to be improving your productivity strategies. This one's going to be about returning back to work after long-term absence. Or we're going to uh, have a workshop about managing reoccurring anxiety or depressive episodes, for example. This can happen any time of the year, based on what your people have told you that they need. Exactly. Now, if you're over the one-hour webinars and one-of-half-day workshop, then go big or go home. So here are the steps that we want you to do. If you're thinking, right, how can we do this well? Step one. Gather your data. This is not a quick fix, guys. Gather your data, your sickness absences, your recent survey, your pulse check with the focus group that you ran or managers, and then a focus group for frontline staff. Analyze what they said they wanted and what they needed and the common things that they're struggling with. Listen to them. You need to gather information. Step two, you now need to benchmark transformational coaching and training programs out there that are specifically designed to solve the problem that you're looking to solve. So you can call us, you call our our competitors, call people we'll refer you to just to get an idea of how much does this actually cost? This is what we're trying to solve here. So to solve this problem, what will be required? And then you get an idea of what that will look like. Now, what do you think three to six month program? in your head. When we talk about transformational, three to six months, because it allows for learning and implementation, okay? So if you're not going to do that, then I guess just stick with the workshop, if that makes sense. That's why we mentioned how you might enhance them already. Step Mm. three, once you benchmark, you gather your data, you benchmark, you now roughly know how much things cost out there in the market. 
then you need to secure your senior leadership team's buy-in. They need to be on board with this. So you can order data and info, go and prepare a case to the senior leadership team to help you set aside a realistic budget. Allow them time to ask questions, space to think about it, digest the info. This could take months, you know, depending on your senior leadership team. And when you're going to your SLT, don't just go cap in hand as a cost centre. <laughs> your job is to show them how they can make money. Yeah. How can they save money or make more? And this is the good thing. It will. It will help them to save on costs of sickness absence or recruitment or attention. It, there are so many. There are so many studies out there. You just have to Google it to find a relevant study from your industry with data in the last 18 months. So make sure you are taking it as seriously as your SLT will, right? And then ask your suppliers to support your case. Number of times I've offered to go <laughs> and talk with the HRD or chief people officer um, to the board to strengthen the argument for investment, not a token gesture, but mm. investment in employee well-being support. And um, it's never been accepted. <laughs> I was taking it personally, but no, I've decided no. not to. It's not about me. I know it's it's something, though, that you should really consider Really consider asking an external to come and provide you with supplementary evidence um, or even to attend these meetings to help you make your case stronger. They're experts for a reason. Use them. Use them. And if I could, you're already keen on working with them anyway. You've already asked to do a benchmarking, right? So you must have a favour to this point. Bring them in. Get them to... Cause you cannot... There's no point parroting what they've said, they do it themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And your senior leadership team can ask questions that they hadn't thought to ask because they're right there in front of you. So consider this. It's quite a, an unutilized un um, resource, actually. Yeah. So it makes sense to get your providers to come in and then they'll answer any objections your senior leadership team might have. Mm -hmm. And then finally, step five is to schedule the supplier. So make sure you've, once you've decided this is who you're going to work with, you've got your ducks in a row, all the budget is in hand, make sure you communicate with the potential delegate. This is where you usually fall down sometimes. You make all these plans and you haven't told the employees or people who are intending to come for this program what it's about, what would be expected of them. Mm. Could it improve program attendance and engagement and ultimately the transformational results? So do yourself a favour by making sure they're bought in already and link it back to the thing that they said they needed when you were gathering the data. Because then it's like, oh, yeah, they really did listen to us. It's what we require and what we said we needed. But that's what I wanted to say to strengthen more than just the one-off workshop that you might have been doing in the past. So in summary, we're not saying that mental health workshops are bad. We deliver mental health workshops. We wholeheartedly recommend them. What we're saying is recognize their limitations and do more, right? So if you'd like to talk to us about how our bespoke workshops and short-term programs 
which are designed to help your people develop practical strategies for coping with mental health disorders such as chronic stress and anxiety in a way that will build sustainable fortitude and resilience, then please contact us. We are taking bookings for the fourth quarter this year and onwards. So have a look at the show notes um, and schedule a time to talk to us about what issues you're struggling with in your business. And that includes me or OB supporting you to strengthen your case when you go to your senior leadership to ask for investment in this area. We are happy to do that if it means you get a better result. And what will happen on this call is that you will have a genuine no-pressure appointment with us. I'm not a used car salesman. <laughs> no, we're not. I don't have those kinds of sales targets where I'm going to try and say, buy now, buy now. It doesn't do me any favors to sell you something that you either don't need or don't want. I will be listening to you instead. We'll be listening to understand what is actually going on for you and your people. What are the current challenges and goals that you're facing and wanting to achieve? And then together, we can design something tailored to you that will help you get there. That's it. So hopefully this has explained that controversial title for why mental health workshops don't work. And you will be back to find out from us what really does. Catch you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your colleagues, follow us on LinkedIn, the link will be in the show note, and generally show us some love. We want to build a whole army of fellow rebels who want to create positive workplaces for everyone. Will you join the rebellion? See you next time.